Right, what is happening, people? It's Big Lloyd here, back for another episode of Tempo and Flow Music Industry Talks. Um, I'm excited for the guest we got today, man. She's wicked, like, I think it's going to be exciting. Um, and it's going to be another good one, man. Let's see when she joins. Let's try to get her on. How's everyone doing? <clears throat> Send me a signal. Let me know if you're out there, man. But, um, yeah. Exciting times. Feels like summer's over now. It's winter. It's proper winter season. Winter time. But this is when you got to do more grinding. More working hard, so let's get on to it. Let's put Nima in here. Nima. Hello. Hi. What's happening? All right. How are you? Not too bad, man. How are you? I'm all right. I'm okay. I think I've got a bit square eyes from looking at my screen so much today, but I'm good. Yeah, I'm alright. And you gotta look at a screen again. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's alright. It's okay. At I least it's with a friend. It's not just yeah, weird. And it'll be more fun. It'll be yeah. more exciting. Yeah, hopefully. Um, are you <laughs> holding the phone? Yeah, I don't have a stand because I don't do IG lives. I was like, I'm gonna have to hold this for an hour, aren't I? Um, yeah, I was gonna. Hey, you need to find like something to balance it. No, on, it's okay. That's alright. Got strong <laughs> arms. I'll be good. <laughs> Fair enough, fair enough, fair enough. So let's jump straight in. Like, how did you, how did you get into music? How did you get into the, the career you have now? Oh God, I mean, it was a long time ago. So I hope you've got time to listen. Um, well, it's funny actually. Initially, so I wanted to work in TV. Yeah. Um, so after I finished uni, uh, I started um, doing work experience at a production company called uh, Brighter Pictures. So I initially what I wanted to do was I wanted to work in TV, but I wanted to make music programs because I love music. So I wanted to be in television, but work in like make shows. And it was at that time when MTV were doing like MTV Diaries and mm. all of those like behind the scene um, shows where they're kind of going backstage with artists and really kind of getting into the artist story. And I've always really liked that. But by the time I finished uni, they basically have started to kind of move in more into reality shows and reality TV. So mm. there weren't that many sort of music programming happening. So I ended up working for a production company and they were mostly yeah, working on reality shows. Um, and I was there, I think, about three years. But I didn't really enjoy it. I just realised, like, TV people aren't my people. You know, as much as I love music, the actual kind of TV production world it's just, it wasn't for me. I couldn't really kind of get into it. And I couldn't, you know, find sort of my tribe in there. It was very white. It wasn't sort of, it wasn't mixed at all. It was very white, very middle class. Um, so I was always like the one black person in a room with a whole bunch of people who were like nothing like me. Um, so after about three years, yeah, I left. And I got a friend of mine sort of was looking for somebody to work on this new like platform that basically looked after mobile music services that's just when when people when uh, mobile st um mobile partners like three and t-mobile were selling music basically like you could buy music on your phone i was at that time so we were basically like 
the back end, I guess, that got the music in from um, record labels and looked after the kind of merchandise their store and looked after their store. And we did that for like three and Vodafone. And that was the first time I started working with labels, as in like major labels um, and companies like distributors. Um, so, yeah, I was on that side for a few years. And then I moved on to another distributor called Vidzone, who did all of the mobile distribution for independent companies at the time. This was all like in the before the 2010s. Yeah, and I was with them for four and a half years. And I think that's where I really like honed my marketing skills. I was an account manager there. We ended up getting bought out by PlayStation. So we launched like a video streaming service on PlayStation that was only available on their consoles. So mm -hmm. I managed that and that was sort of, we went live in seven countries and then we up broadened it up and we um, went live. We added about 11 more countries to that. So I was working with record labels to kind of get their music in and get the mu music videos in. And I was basically, it was basically like, I, we were like the iTunes or the Spotify at the time for music videos. And I was dealing, yeah, with like record labels like all Warner, Universal, Sony, Independence, globally for like 19 countries across a whole different time zones, as well as PlayStation globally. Um, so yeah, I was there for ages, but I think it was the same thing happening that kind of kept having to, me, having to me at every point. I just hit a brick wall and I couldn't see like where I was gonna go after this. I was like, I've been doing this for a while, but really I wanted to work, kind of be a lot more hands-on working with the music instead of just like trying to find ways to market the music after it's done and it gets to us. So I left there and I was freelancing for a while I was doing kind of digital music digital marketing and marketing consulting for like unsigned artists for two or three years and then I got a job at EGA actually with Colin Batza in 20 Uncle Colin. Uncle Colin. yeah all the time man I love Colin good guy um so that was in I want to say 2014 um he had an artist called hannah v that was signed on the label so they wanted like a day-to-day -day manager for her and she was signed to pitched up which is danny weed and dj target's label at the time so doing the day-to-day -day management for her kind of got me working with the pitched up guys and they said that they needed somebody to handle the marketing for the label as a whole because they had a deal with sony at the time so that's kind of like how i ended up getting into sony um, through Pitched Up and and then Columbia basically wanted to bring in Pitched Up under their umbrella instead of it being under Sony Red and thankfully and I'm always grateful to Danny and Target for that they basically were like well we're not going to do this if Nima doesn't come with us um, mm -hmm. because basically yeah, we, need her, we need her to do, to run the label and we want her there so that's how I ended up mm -hmm. at Columbia where I've been now for almost five years yeah and yeah, worked my way up through there, sort of picking up Columbia roster as well. And yeah, now I'm a senior marketing manager at Columbia. It's a long story. And um, there's a lot more in there, but I wasn't going to bore <laughs> everyone <laughs> with, with the details. Yeah, but we're to, no, we got to go, we got to go into it. Yeah, yeah, we can go into it bit by bit. But yeah, I was just like, I don't, it's a, it's a long time. And there were so many jobs and so many experiences, kind of hard to condense into five or 10 minutes. Yeah, so you mentioned the mobile bit and me like music. I remember that time, but it feels so yeah. long ago that it was so long ago. Yeah, everything yeah, it feels so long ago that mobile phone companies were doing that. 
Yeah, and remember, they were leading it as well. Like, before iShawn started, really, the only one, like, outside of actually going into HMV, the mm. only way you can really, like, it was quite revolutionary, like, being able to just buy music and, like, ringtones on your phone was a real new thing. And they were, like, actually affecting, you know, the charts. It was around the time when um, Niles Barkley went to number one, and it was, like, the first track. Um, crazy and it was the first track to ever go number one purely on downloads alone because at the time people were still buying CDs so I remember that time and like how big of a deal it was that you can get a track to number one just off of downloads um, and now you think about that and that's like yeah it's it was such a long time ago but it was actually a lot of fun because it was new and we didn't really there wasn't like a template or a way to do things um, so mm -hmm. we could kind of like yeah um, there was more of a, you know, we can kind of let our, our taste kind of lead the way as well and kind of just in terms of how we used to merchandise the store. Yeah, it, it wasn't like it had to be major label contents first or whatever, like it's whatever we liked. And yeah, it was actually a good, uh, good time. But yeah, it does. It feels like it was so long ago. So how did you find the transition from one day you're trying to stock music to phones and get that going to... Like here I am in this music industry, and you know how did how did that how did you find that transition? Oh God, that's the interesting part. Then we'll talk about it. it was hard. It was really hard for me. I think at the time, um, I didn't really know a lot of people who worked sort of on like on the record label side, um, but I knew you know I knew a few people, and I knew there were the right people, but I didn't know enough to kind of get in. So when I left Vidzone and I was uh, freelancing and consulting. It was really hard trying to find something. And there was like few things that just always worked to get against me. I'm no like number one, I'm not really that great at interviews. For some reason I sit in an interview with somebody. Don't say that, D right. You don't mean to say these things. No, but it's true. It's true. <laughs> I feel like a lot of people need to know this because people need to relate. Because I think everyone just always acts like, Oh, I got all the way to the top because I'm so great. And it's like true. You know, keep it real, keep it real. We all have weaknesses and I think like it's and now I've learned, I was like, there's actually nothing to be sort of, but at the time I thought like I was, I could prepare for an interview for all day, a week sometimes. And then you put me in front of the people um, and my mind would just go completely blank. And I, you would think like, I would walk away kind of going, I must've looked like the most like inexperienced person ever. Um, but because I didn't really know anybody in, in those buildings to vouch with me, which unfortunately is like the way most people get their jobs. It was like, I'll go for the interview. No one really knows me. I don't do that well. Um, and then, yeah, people just, and, and I didn't get the job. And it was really tough because after like, I don't know, five, six rejections, it starts to kind of really kind of, you do start to question if you if you made the right decision. It's like, I've quit this job with no other prospect, decided to go freelance. Um, and now I'm trying to find something a bit more secure and it's not happening and it's like fuck no. what do i do oh sorry can i swear i swear <laughs> okay. <can> swear. <laughs> yeah so it's like god like what the hell did i do like that was a huge mistake um yeah but and it was tough it was really tough for those couple of years but do you know what because once i got that chance once i um a friend of mine looped me in with colin's business partner who ran who he ran ega with once I got that chance, I was like, I made sure that I was like, I'm going to fucking take this opportunity. And I'm going to do everything, it, everything I can physically do to make sure that like, I make the most of it. And it made me sort of a lot hungrier. It made me sort of be a really push 
and really give it everything. So I was like, I just made myself the most useful, the most important person in that team. And it was like, they're not going to be able to live without me. Um, so when that opportunity came in Colombia, were like, Danny and Target, we want to bring you guys in. Yeah, it did work out that they were like, well, we need Nima as well. Um, mm. But it was really hard, but it did make me just make sure that the minute I was like, the minute I got like the tiniest foot in the door, even if there was just a sliver of the door opened, I was just like, there's absolutely no way they're going to close the door on me. Um, mm. I wasn't going to let it. I just was not going to let it. So it made me, yeah, it made me a lot hungrier. So that was a part of the transition. So you're finding it hard, but you've got your chance in music. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? You're doing your thing. When did the moment come when, you know, and i got a big up Target and Danny Weed always. Yeah, when did that moment come where they're like, Nira, we want you to work for us? You know, because obviously you mentioned you're, you're on the management side. You're not yeah, on... I was on the management side. They were looking for somebody. Um, it was, it's funny actually, the first time I met them, they were looking for someone. I think they had a guy in who was like doing a couple of days when they were, because basically they were kind of like part of this semi-label called Red, um, Sony Red, which mm. is now The Orchard. Um, so they've kind of, uh, you know, when The Orchard were bought by Sony, they merged. But at the time they were working, it was like a small team of like four people that worked yeah. with Sony. So they had someone there, but I think he was leaving and they basically needed somebody. And, and because I was there and I was talking to them every day for Hannah, um, they'd already known who I wasn't because I was constantly on them. I was constantly like, you know, anything that they've asked for, for Hannah, they'd always get, I'd always reply to everything on time. I'd always over communicate. I would do more than they've asked for. So when they were looking for somebody, you know, most people in this business, let's be honest, they're lazy. <laughs> they don't want to spend time interviewing people, going around trying to find somebody. And if they've got someone there who's valuable and is an asset, and they can kind of transfer that asset or their skills into another department. They're going to do it, do you know? Um, so they said, yeah, so Jonathan, was, who was their business partner at the time, he was like, well, I need you to meet them um, before, you, before we can, like, make a decision. So I remember I went to their studio in East London. It was, like, in this old um, council estate. It was proper, like, East End. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, and I met them for the first time, and they were basically they were like, so, like, what, you know, what is it that you're going to do? We need someone to do this and this and that. But we're really busy. Obviously, Target had his radio show. Danny um, was busy, was producing. You know, and I was like, well, that's... Very busy like, guys. Huh? They're very busy guys. Very busy guys, yeah. And I was just like, that's fine. I'll do everything. And they were like, yeah? Like, are you sure? And I went, yeah, yeah. Just send me whatever you need done and I'll do it. It's fine. I was like, I will do everything. I will run your whole label for you. Like, you don't have to fucking, like, worry. And at the time, remember, I didn't work at a label. I've never worked at a label yeah. I didn't know how Sony systems would work, but I was just like, I will do it. I will do it all. Don't worry about it. Just let's make this official and I will do it. I will do all the work. Even obviously deep down inside, I was like, how does it, how do you even run a label? <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. I, I had no clue, but I wasn't gonna, yeah, I wasn't gonna kind of like let them go and give it to somebody else. So yeah. yeah, I was just like, I will do it all. I regretted it the minute they said yes and they came in, I had to do everything. And I was like, shit. Yeah, <laughs> but, but you know, it made you who you are, isn't it? It makes you know, like, I guess running pitched up or being a part of pitched up and doing all assets of the job. Yeah. It helps it helps your skill set. Oh my god, everything. Like I learned everything from the A and R admin side and like putting together labels and do you know what I mean? Like speaking with producers to get asked, because it wasn't like, even though I was going in to be marketing, 
I ended up basically like being a label manager. So I was doing the A&R admin side. I was like working with legal to sort out contracts for producers and remixes. I was doing the marketing. I was, you know, with higher external pluggers. So I was, you know, working with them every day to make sure that they're doing their part. It was, you know, it was a lot. It was, and mm -hmm. I'm really grateful for that actually, because yeah, it, it kind of helped me get an, a full 360 view of like how a whole record label works, not just from a marketing side. Even like literally like I'd be asking them about it. So what's the points on this? And you know, <laughs> what percentage, like how much are we paying them and all of that. And I'd have to speak to the legal team and like relay that back to them. I have no idea. I was like, what the hell are points? I don't know what points are. But now I've got to like right. speak to them and find out what they've agreed and put that in a contract and get it over to producers or artists to sign. Um, what was the roster pitched up at the time? I feel like so, Shaka was there at the time. Yeah, so well, they signed Shaka while I was there. So it was Hannah V, there was this um, Dutch producer called Saroje, who's, yeah, he was kind of more of like on a selection vibe. He was great. And then there was this produ uh, producing duo called TC4. Um, I think they're from up north and they make kind of more dance music. Um, it was a girl, is it Alyssa? Really? Yeah, and then they signed Shaka, yeah, um, while I was working there. So, yeah, so Shaka and then Tom Zanetti. So it was because of Shaka and Tom Zanetti, basically, that when um, Sony Red were going to leave the building to merge with the Orchard, um, Columbia basically were like, well, we want Shaka and Tom Zanetti, so mm -hmm. we'll take the label instead of them going with you. Um, so, yeah. And Tom Zanetti had a, a big kind of hit at the time, I remember. Yeah, we just started on Darling at the time. So that was like flying. He's, he's an interesting one. Um, he's, yeah, he's somebody I've never heard of at the time when we signed. Um, he's a dance DJ from Leeds, if anyone doesn't know. But he's managed by Gov. I think he was like Gov, who's a Mists manager and Catalyst guys. I think he might have been his first artist that he's ever managed. Um, so. Yeah, but he had like this, he had this huge fan base up north and I didn't understand any of it. it was obviously, I'm in my London bubble. Uh, <laughs> I was just like, why is this every time this track gets played on radio, like the Shazam just goes through the roof. And like, he, uh, it, it was so crazy how rabid his fan base was, but it was that typical thing. I think at the time, this was before, again, like Spotify was just starting at the time and Apple, I think just launched in 2016. But before that, it's that difference. I think you were in this London bubble and you just don't really know or, or understand anything that's happening externally. And I think because I think streaming, all of that kind of ended up leveling the playing field with people from outside of London. By the time it was like, if it wasn't happening in London, trying to get radio to support it was more or less impossible. And especially with him, I think there was always a bit of a, God, I'm like spilling all the tea now. There was always a bit of a snobby attitude, I think, from Londoners. So, yeah, the kind yeah, of snobby in music. We're snobby. Right? So, no, we are. Yeah. We're snobby, but we, we act like we're not, but we're definitely a snobby. But I think, yeah, but I feel like we're getting less and less now. Um, yeah, now, but back now, then, you're right. Yeah. We're rude. No, no, we were the worst. <laughs> like, I remember back then as well, like, it was the whole, there was a bit of baseline. There's all of that, and everyone, Londoners are like, what's this? Like, what yeah. <laughs> yeah, we don't care for that. So that was interesting. So you're working on Tontanetti, you're working on Shaka. Shaka and then... was the first mobile. Yes, pick <laughs> up. Yeah, pick up. Shaka's a brilliant talent, by the way. Oh, my God, yeah, incredible. Inc absolutely incredible, yeah. Yeah, big up Nikki, man. She's an amazing manager as well. Yeah. Um, and then, so, when does the move to Colombia kind of happen? Because it obviously... 
I, I, it kind of feels like it folded into one, but you could explain how you ended up then just being Columbia as well at Columbia. Yeah. Well, when I was going to move into Columbia, they basically were like, well, we're not going to be paying her to only work two artists. Do you know what I mean? Um, <laughs> <laughs> typical, typical label stuff, right? Yeah, typical label stuff. They were like, so of course, yeah, she can come and we'll pay her, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll make sure, you know, start to negotiate a new rate and all of that. But they were like, well, since you're here, um, it, you know what, looking back, there was just a lot of, I think like the timing just worked. I don't know how, but like clearly somebody like saw me struggle and were like, I'm going to try and make this easy for you. <laughs> um, so just as I was, so when I joined Columbia, somebody from the marketing team was leaving basically so like this this headcount appeared at like the perfect time when they were negotiating with pitched up um so there was a headcount that was available for me but it meant that like i had to take some of her roster and i was like oh of course like i don't want to be sitting here just working on two projects i want to be busy um so i took on some of her roster and um and then it yeah was, can you remember who the roster was Oh my god, it was Cadenza, um, Tyla. I think I still do some of them actually. Let me have a look. Uh, I had to get pull up my roster in case you asked because my memory is like you knew I was gonna ask, you knew you were gonna ask. <laughs> so I was like, uh, Cadenza, uh, Tyla. Oh, I can't see any of the older ones here. Um, there was a few that like yeah some international stuff as well um but yeah it, it was about four years ago so yeah there was a lot of change to my roster wow suddenly just noticed it now um so yeah but then i'd keep up you know then it was the same as like it, I don't, it would be for any of the other market there's any time we pick up a us act or we sign someone new if i was interested in it i'd put my hand up and kind of started to build so initially i inherited the roster but <clears throat> I started to build my own roster, kind of, yeah, based on what I like and what I wanted to do. Okay. And then, so that's going, so you're doing that. I guess at the time, I guess, wait, at the time you were part of Columbia, that must have been... 2016, January 2016, I started, yeah. So Alison Donald, Mark Terry, Stacey Tan. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was, yeah, the, the trio. Yeah. Yeah. Big up Alison Donald. Her and Julian yeah. Fox gave me an internship back in twenty thirteen. Oh really? So yeah, yeah, yeah. So then and then obviously there's like a transition where you've then become senior, you know, yeah. you're doing your thing. What's that like? Talk us through that to the present day, because I know that's a whole different roster there you've got. Yeah. <laughs> that's a whole different thing. What I mean like? what 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 do you wanna know? Obviously, there's certain things well, I can't really say. I can't really talk about, but I'll try and be as, as honest and open as no, I can. I guess... Sorry, I'm just looking at something <laughs> flying in my room. So, um, <laughs> I guess when you when you became senior, and then yeah. you... Because now you've got a bigger roster, bigger responsibility as a senior <laughs> marketing manager, isn't it? So yeah, how did that kind of happen? Where it's like, okay, now I'm going to take on more. I'm going to have more. And I guess... You could, you've got your roster list there, so you could probably go through your current roster. Yeah, um, yeah, we can go through my current roster. So, so I do 21 Savage, Be Young, um, Childish Gambino, Digda, Dominic Fife, IMDDV, Jasmine Sullivan, Josie Mann, Kenny Hoopla, Lot of Boys, uh, Losing the Yakuza, Muna, Polo G, Sid, T Muller. 
the internet, Yeba, um, Freddie Gives a Mad Lib, Lucky Day, Normani. Um, yeah, so it's a mix of international um, and, uh, yeah, and uh, domestic, yeah. So, um, yeah, so yeah, go on. So we're going to talk about becoming senior. Yeah, manager, so like, when it started, you know, most of the bigger acts, um, were already assigned to well outside of Columbia, like their big established like like your Calvin Harris and your George Ezra's and that people already work in that. So I was getting a lot of like newer acts or like some of the smaller level acts. And I think it, it took me about a year and a bit to basically realise that like if I kind of stayed at this level, I'm never gonna get like some of the bigger kind of like more important acts or I'm never gonna get to work on anything that like moves the dial within the label. So I'm just constantly, I'll just constantly end up just working on smaller acts and not really like, you know, break acts, break records, whatever. So I just realized at that point, I was like, I've got to start building my own roster and I've got to start finding ways of making sure that like, I'm the first to hear about anything that we pick up. This was initially with the international acts. Um, I was like, I've got to be, yeah, I've got to know when things are coming internationally before we even pick it up. Otherwise, when it's between me and more senior people at the label, anything that I really want to work on is going to go to, you know, to them. So I started to really like work on my international um, relationships. I see like uh, Chanel's here. Hi, Bev. Um, so anytime the international marketing managers would be in town, I've started to work. Yeah, I started to work really hard to build those relationships and hone them. Um, anytime I used to go to New York quite a lot anyway because I had friends there so anytime I was in New York I'd go into the Sony office there meet everybody you know hang out with them go to dinner um, and I got really lucky that it's like a lot you know a few of them ended up being really good friends now and really close friends but it meant that like if there was ever any like whisper of a signing I would know I kind of finding out about first and then I'd just and it's at this time then you know the, the changing of the guards happened at Columbia and Ferdy came in and Ferdy loves a go-getter he loves people who are just gonna you know get up and fucking like make something happen like regardless so yeah I think the one that like stood out to me the most was um I was already like I'm a huge Childish Gambino fan Mm. Um, and then I basically found out that RCA signed him, but they weren't going to announce the signing or anything for months. But the minute I found out, I was like, Ferdy, you need to get on the phone and you need to find out if this is true. And he needs to be basically at Columbia. I was like, because I was like, there's no way he would, because basically with the international roster, the Sony labels can pitch in, they can put their hands up for stuff. And if more than one label wants something, then we would have to go through like a whole pitching process and working a plan and I was just like before it even gets to the pitching thing I need you to make a phone call and I was just like there's no way no way no way no way this is going anywhere else I was like I've got to work it so then we ended up spending there was a bit of three months of back and forth and I ended up having you know working on this whole pitch of like what we would do on the project and because I knew so much about him already because I was a fan it kind of like put me kind of you know ahead of the other labels um so i think he when he saw that and he saw how hungry i was for that to come into colombia and how like i was so set on that being like a colombia artist mm. um he that kind of like made me stand out for him and he really really respected that and then when we did the we had to do a video call with his managers and talk through like what we would want to do um, and I remember at the time, we, it was a really shit spider phone that we were doing the video call through, like the sound was awful. And they played us This Is America, but like, 
I couldn't hear it properly, so I couldn't actually work out. I was just like, yeah, I don't care what it sounds like. I love it. It's him. But um, yeah, I was talking to them and obviously I've started to throw in just little nuggets about how much I knew about him and his background. So they loved that, like, I was so knowledgeable. Um, and we ended up picking it up. And I remember, like, he was in, Ferdy was in LA. And before even telling anyone, he just rang me and he was like, by the way, we've got this. Uh, and he was so sweet about it. And he was just like, this was all you. You were so, you know, tenacious and on this and you were not going to let that go. And I really respect that. Well done. Congratulations. He was like, this is your win. Um, so once then, you know, we pick him up and then like two months later, This Is America drops. And I'm sitting in comms like smug as a fucking, <laughs> I'm sitting in that comms morning, so smug. <laughs> I remember those smart folks we is so, so smug like yeah <laughs> <laughs> this, this is why I was like he can't go anywhere else I was like this is why this is why I said like I've got to work this um but yeah so I had to do that I think it's like being and actually I mean I kind of hate making everything about like race and gender but it's true I think like <laughs> Being the fact that, you know, a lot of at the time I was working at a label for what, this was two years. I was like, and I was within like the major label infrastructure for three years in total. There are people in there who have been there 10 years plus have like work, started working in labels from a really young age. And I'm, in, I'm sitting there in my 30s and I just felt like I had to make up a lot of ground really, really fast. And I didn't have time to just sit there and like wait for someone to give me something. And I think, you know what it's like at labels, like people aren't going to give you something. They're not going to have to take that shit. You've got to take it. You've got to take it. And, you know, I just, I, oh, and you just got to make sure when you take that shit, they'll still, still be quite nice and respectful and kind. Um, but yeah, I had to learn that really quick because I was just like, I just felt like I had this clock and I was just like, I don't have time. I don't have time to wait for my turn. I don't have to, I refuse. Um, and then, you know, the usual thing happens where like other labels come sniffing and, People are like, well, you're not going anywhere. What do you want? Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. I'm like, I want to be senior. <laughs> and yeah. Um, and yeah. Became That's important because I think the common theme that you're saying through your journey is like being persistent. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Being persistent, doing more work than normally, like working twice as hard, which we know how you have to do in this, yeah. in this game and actually just like just not taking no for an answer basically yeah you've got to and like I said I don't have I didn't have connections coming in I didn't know people I didn't know anyone that you know that is like if, if this doesn't work out they can make a phone call obviously now I'm in a much better position where like my network's obviously a lot stronger but I couldn't rely on anybody to help me. I was like, I had to rely on myself and myself only. Um, because if it didn't work out, like, that's it. I'm screwed. So I just had to make sure. I was just like, this is not, I'm not going anywhere now. Um, I've got this far. And I, you know, and I am good at what I do. I think that's the other thing that happens. You start to question yourself and you're like, you know, did, am I making a mistake? Am I, did I choose the right career? Like, is this what I should be doing? Maybe... I'm not good at it and you realize yeah actually no I am um I am and even if they don't see that I am I can I'm gonna make them see that I am so I feel like the childish Gambino moment for me was like the moment where like I showed them I showed everybody from like from Jason Eiley all the way down that like yeah no I'm actually I'm supposed to be doing this I'm supposed to be doing this and I am good at this 
Um, and it was, yeah, it was an amazing moment, I think, for me, especially he ended up coming into market. He's ended up coming into London and we did a playback. And I remember like they had it was like all the international label heads came over from Europe for this playback. So I was like busy just trying to set up the playback and busy with that. And then like an hour or two before, uh, they were like, so all of the um, markets are going to speak first and they're going to talk about like the impact of This Is America and how it, you know, how it kind of like went off at their country. And um, Jason thinks you should speak for the UK team. And I was like, what? <laughs> and I was like, shouldn't, shouldn't my boss, who's like, if all the label heads are talking, shouldn't my boss also be the one that talks, not me? Like, I mean, it makes no sense for the market. And they were like, no, no, they think you should do it. And I was like, but this starts in an hour and I'm still setting up. <laughs> um, yes. And you bless him again, he was so supportive. He was like 100%, he was like, you should do this, that this should be you. Um, and yeah, I had to basically sit there opposite Donald Glover, like one of my like, most favorite artist ever <laughs> basically <laughs> yeah and and talk i talk about the impact of this is america and like how important and he smashed it, it by the way because i know someone oh, were you there? there i wasn't oh, okay. there but someone okay. that was there was like she smashed it <laughs> oh my god i was nervous when i tell you like i was shaking i hate public speaking um public speaking is not my thing and then to, pu to be speaking publicly with donald glover staring at me <laughs> was not yeah it, oof, yeah but no that was so yeah I think that year was really like 2018 was a really important year I think for me at Sony and it really kind of just I made my mark in that year I think in Sony and kind of proved that you know I'm a kind of really like you know I'm an important member of staff for them and I'm somebody that they you know that's actually adds to the company not just yeah, not just sits there every day. Well, I, I always saw you working hard. And it's funny you say 2018 because that's the year I joined Relentless full-time. I started part-time June 2017. And yeah. in January 2018 is when I was full-time. So I was there every day. And I just remember seeing you in early... Was running around like a crazy lady. <laughs> in early, out late. And I used to be like... Obviously, I'm leaving late myself because I'm putting yeah. in the work. But I'm like leaving late within reason, like maybe seven, oh, seven, like eight o'clock might catch me and I'm there and yeah. you could just still be working and I'm just like, whoa. Like... No, not, any, but not anymore though. <laughs> I will never do that again. No, I've learned, I'm learning the hard way about boundaries and like being able to take care of yourself because yeah, all of you, um, so now I've, I'm like on a new holistic approach to work and I'm trying to like find a lot more balance. Um, so then I'm not just, yeah, working day and night all the time with people having access to me 24 hours a day. So I'm trying to work on turning that around because yeah, you can still work hard, but yeah, you ain't got to be in the office till 10 o'clock. <laughs> I've learned that now, yeah. That's crazy. And um, I was going to say like, one of the recent campaigns I kind of admired was the was the Dig That campaign. Ah, uh, yeah. Because obviously, big up Bouncer, I know Bouncer. Obviously, you know Bouncer. Big up Bouncer, yes, I know Bouncer. <laughs> Great guy. Well, he was talking about it recently, and it reminded me that I remember at the time watching and thinking, "This is a really good campaign." The whole eight. Oh, thank you. Um, you know, obviously, it was successful because it produced two silver records. What was your thought process on that? Or how did you manage, navigate um, that? Uh, so that, 
yeah that was an interesting one you know what like i gotta give credit to bouncer for a lot of it um he's a super super creative guy um he actually came up with the eight mile theme i'm not gonna like take the credit for that but it kind of like he sort of came up with the idea and like instantly I was just like, okay, then we'll do the eight mile video and we'll do it like this and we'll do it like that. And it was a real like joint uh, collaborative uh, project. It wasn't just me, like the whole team on that was so on it. Um, and I think it helps when you've got good music and when you've got an artist who's like really like, you know, electric and really exciting and, you know, gives you like, he's a star, like that's what he is. And we could see that from the minute we met him I was just like, oh, wow, this kid is, is different. Um, so, yeah, like, the he digs out wanting to call the album 8 Mile. Um, and off the off of that were all those kind of little threads of ideas that came about. If he comes back, sorry. Oh, there he is. He's back. Sorry, sorry. Do you know what? Okay. I thought my phone was on airplane mode. And someone's trying to call me and talk to me. Apologies. That's okay. That's all right. Um, yeah. Well, I can't. What did I say? So yeah, no. Eight Mile featuring H was actually the last track to get added to the mixtape. So the whole mixtape was more or less done when he signed to Columbia. So that was the last track to get added, and that was the one I think that like where I got to be a lot more hands on. They'd already more or less like had treatments for New Dior and for Eight Star Two, which were the first two tracks. Um, so I didn't really sort of like have um, yeah, I didn't get a chance to kind of be as hands on with that. But for Eight Mile, yeah, like once he said, look, we've got H, we've got um, Digs, we'll do the Eight Mile, you know, the whole thing. H can be Eminem, Dig that will be. Um, I can't remember who the other guy was. Yeah, and I was just like, well, and then, yeah, like, while we were talking, I was literally, like, on YouTube, and I went, and we should do the video like this, and it was literally, like, the final battle. Um, yeah, so we kind of went through that process. It was, you know, they're, you know, as nice guys they are, like, and Bouncer would say that, he's he's a very intense guy. <laughs> he's a very, very intense guy. He is. Um, but you know what, like, he, most of the time, like, when he would, you know disagree with me whatever nine times out of ten he'd end up being right and I was just like I can't even you know what I mean you can't really fight with somebody when most of the time it's just like okay yeah that was actually the right call um but he was he always listened he, I think we got to a point where there's like we got to a point a place where we had like this mutual respect for each other and I think because I think he initially went in and it was the usual thing where they're like oh it's a major label what do they know Mm. Labels, 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 and I think they kind of were quite guarded at the beginning. Um, but I, I wore him down. I managed to wear him down. <laughs> I wore him down, and by the end of it, we were friends. We were best friends, and he was like thanking me. And all, by the end of it, he's shouting me out on Instagram, and I'm getting like like a hundred requests afterwards, and I'm like, "Bloody hell, dancer, stop outing me, please." Um, yeah, no. He, by the end of it, I think we. Once we saw the results, I think it, it did, you know, he did, I think he realized that he had a great team at the label um, and, you know, they didn't have to kind of be a us versus them situation. We could actually work together and achieve something amazing. Um, 
no, I was I really enjoyed that, and I really kind of I was really happy with the results because I wanted that for Digda. I felt like I was like he deserved it, and um, so when we got that result, it was like yeah, great. Obviously, it's unfortunate everything that's happened since, but you know I'm still gonna always you know look at that campaign and be like, no, we did good work here. We did really good work. Yeah, no, definitely from the outside, like it was it was one to watch as an A and R. I'd always see, obviously, I'm naturally looking for the music, but mm. I'm looking for the campaign that supports it to see when the two work, like, how is it going to work? You know, and when the two work, yeah. you can see it. You can see the music's matching the campaign, and you're like, okay, that's why they get the result. They yeah. Hit, you know what I mean? Um, Are so we got to do something? Oh, sorry to cut you off. I was just going to say, with the AR <laughs> video, I think the reason I really love that video is we got to do something different because um, I, I was actually just having that moment today. I was just like, I'm really bored of the same videos for rappers right now. It's like with the mansion and the cars <laughs> and the girls. And I was just, because I just had another treatment that like... The rented Lambos. <laughs> uh, I'm just so, I'm like, it's so boring. I'm like, I want to do something different. I'm like, there's so much that we can do with artists where they we can actually put them in their own lane and they don't all look and sound like everybody else. And when you have artists who are like too scared, I guess, to take to make that switch or they want they're worried that like their fans aren't gonna like it because that's not what everybody on GRM, you know, I mean, sees. And I'm just like, but you can actually take a risk and do something creative and they will love it. And I think like the eight mile video was like a testament to that because I was like, you know, Dig that's never made a video like that. Like he's it was the, the production quality was increased, there was a concept, there was an idea. It wasn't like your typical mansion, Lamborghini, whatever. And you know, he could have been scared and be like, No, I don't you know, this isn't what it's too soon, this isn't what my fans want from me. But he embraced it. And I think like embracing doing something different and new showed, showed you that like, you know, you will actually get the results. It's not gonna turn people away. It's not gonna put people off. Um, you can do something creative and you could do something different. And I think that's like my manage, my message mostly to most, if any artists are watching is like, please take creative risks when it comes to your videos um, and your content in general. Like you, it doesn't all have to be the same it really doesn't and it's just i'm like because i'm like as a market manager i'm like i am so bored of making these videos so i don't know how i'm like as an artist aren't you guys bored of making these videos or and as fans are you not, not bored of watching these videos? <laughs> it's just you know and because but then you know when you when somebody does something different you see you see how like people you see the excitement and you see like the buzz because people are like oh my god this video is like nothing else that's yeah. on YouTube at the moment. Um, I think so it comes down to people being brave, though, isn't it? It's it comes brave, down to the artists yeah. and the team being like creatively fearless and yeah. wanting to do something different. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and like doing something different, like doesn't mean completely going left and doing something that's not in line with who you are as an artist. You could just take, you know. You, there's small little things you can do to make a video just different but still feel like you i feel like you know uh huss always does that huss doesn't you know huss's videos aren't necessarily like all vfx and special effects and all of that but they're so unique and they're like you watch them and you're like that's a huss video and it you know he makes the video unique and different do you know what i mean it doesn't all it takes is like a change of a location or shooting a video somewhere that not every single person has shot in um and it could just, or just do something different with the camera work or do something different with, 
you know, in whatever, like, you know, where the, the set or whatever, there's like ways of doing it without completely changing your style and your, and who you are as an artist. But it is that I think, yeah, it's, it's people being brave and being willing to take the risk. Cause that's what I want. I want to keep taking risks, but then when you're constantly shut down, cause people are like, no, don't want to do that. <laughs> Get me the rented car, please. <laughs> Get me the uh, mansion with the rented car on the drive. Yes, please. Yes, please. Um, <laughs> it's funny, isn't it? It's funny. And and you were talking about artists there, and that's a good segue to a question I was going to ask, because obviously you've worked for artist management company, you've then worked on the label side, and then you've <laughs> kind of honed in into marketing as a career. Um, what is your... Because I always say the audience listening to this, um, well, watching this video back, listening on... Spotify and Apple, because it is a podcast also, mm-hmm. like that there. Um, you know, we have people that want to be artists and people that want to do what you do. So what's your top three or what's your advice for up-and-coming artists that are watching this thinking, man, I need to market myself or I want to market my music? Do you know what I mean? Mm. Um, I think the, f- the first thing I would say is you, you've got to be proactive in your career. This is for people who want to be artists, I guess, at the moment. You've got to be proactive in your own career. Um, you can't sort of leave it to somebody else to do the work for you. I think a lot of artists think once they sign a deal, the label's going to do everything and they can just kick back and like, you know, chill out. It's like, no, actually, you've got to want it as much as the label does because, you know, you've just got to basically take charge of your own career, really, and be involved. Have a say in what happens, you know, have a say in the creative have a say in how you want things to look like be involved and be hands-on because at the end of the day this is your career like unfortunately especially if we if we, you know you sign a major your market manager might have 30 other acts that they've got to work on and you know it's you give your energy i guess on like whatever the label tells you is is the most important was the priority and then mm. the ones who are like giving you something back um, you know, I've had artists who might not be in, you know, the priority at the label, but because they were always so engaged and they wanted to do stuff and they were I still gave them my time and I still was like, we'll do, okay, let's, let's try that. Let's try something. And, you know, people might be looking at me and be like, why are you, you know, this, this isn't ready yet, whatever. And I'm like, but they want to do stuff. Like they're hungry. And, and it's to me, my biggest pressure, I think, like the pressure that I get put on myself with artists is, like when an artist signs to a label they're literally trusting us with their career they're literally kind of going this is the most important thing in my life and i'm trusting you to like not fuck it up um so that weight and like that pressure for me like they don't say that to me but in my head that's what i'm hearing and like i can't fuck up their career for them i can't not give up and then have somebody whose whole dreams for since day one was to make music and be an artist and then they come to me and I ruin it. And I, like, I don't give them everything that they like deserve. So that, you know, if you've got somebody, if you've got a market manager who's invested and if you've got a team who's invested, that then you give them that same energy back. You know, you, you be present, you show up to things on time, you know, don't cancel things last minute, be nice, you know, all of that. Like be present in your campaign campaigns and be proactive and involved in it. I think that's the big thing for me. And then, like understand who you are as an artist as well mm. so you get to de- decide you the label who you are instead of them telling you who you are like understand who you are understand like what what things are right for you and what things aren't and make that really clear to the label because otherwise they're just going to come to you with ideas and opportunities that aren't in line with 
who you are as an artist and if you don't know who you are and you're just saying yes to everything you might be doing things that actually aren't right for you um so that as well i think those are the, like, the big two things and then it's the other one is, is like i said take risks be willing to be creative like taking a risk doesn't mean you know completely fucking like starting wearing pink or whatever like take a risk that you're that still fits into your world but be willing different be willing to evolve as an artist as well i'm sure like i don't know i i always wonder because i'm like don't artists just get bored don't, don't most people i get bored doing the same campaign over and over again i'm like so don't artists sometimes just get bored doing the same song the same video the same everything it, i always just wonder that i'm just like really god don't you want to do something different don't you want to show a different side to you no one is like one dimensional every person's you know we're multi-dimensional people there's loads of things that we're into and it's just like start exploring some of the other that was those other parts instead of just being the one thing um those are interesting of your career um uh what was the other one like take risks and know who you are as an artist first and foremost and um, before you even go into any label or into any building you don't want the label telling you who you are as an artist i promise you that now i really promise you that now don't let the label tell you well you know you, sh you should dress like this or you should make these kind of videos don't do that like go in with and you know that was the thing with digda he's you know as stubborn as he is he knew exactly who he was and as, a, as an artist and he like there was no there was no way we can make him do something he didn't want to do or something that he didn't feel like his fans would understand like he knew who his fans were he understood his fans and he understood himself and there was just no way you can make him do something he didn't want to he didn't think is right like literally no way um you know he's staying true to who he is and he's staying true to himself and his fans he gets his fans he literally knows and i was like every time i get it i'd get frustrated i'm like oh but can we just try it let's just try this and it's like nope <laughs> no nope. and yeah it always worked yeah, out it was right don't. trust me i don't yeah, <laughs> like, no. before i think that side to columbia i signed a singular face to relentless yeah. and every time i called him it was just no yeah. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> he'll pick up the phone he'll, he'll be nice and he'll just yeah. tell you no. no. <laughs> but he knows he trust me he knows his fan base better than any of us do and he knows what they're gonna like respond to and what they won't um so he's you know and i respect that so much because i'm just like a lot of artists don't actually even take time out to understand their fans they mm. don't um you know they'll just They'll just, you know, do whatever the label tells them or do whatever like, their manager tells them or their friends tell them is, is good. And because they just have no, like, they've never sat down and kind of thought about who they are and what they even kind of like want to put, what message they want to put out through their music. So it's really important. It's so important to understand, like, who you are. And what's your advice for someone that wants to do your job? oh yay please do we need more people we need more black people in marketing especially please no one ever wants to do market everyone wants to be an artist to do a and r so i'm like yes please do well i think there's like loads of different ways you can kind of get it obviously most major labels now run um yearly paid internships so you know have a look at those apply for those um if you know any artists, you know, take, if you're interested in music and you know any artists coming around you, like, maybe help them out with a campaign or, like, you know, just be, be more involved and, like, become involved with artists. Um, it's, it's, like, it's a weird one, I think, but you can do, like, marketing isn't necessarily just, like, videos and stuff. So it's, like, even if you do digital marketing, like, 
you know, help out with socials, understand social media, understand the online world and how that works. But, and then try and get, yeah, try and get work experience or try and kind of like find ways to get marketing runs. I mean, the good thing is now there are so many distribution, like independent distribution companies now that, you know, I like mini labels as well and they need marketing people. So don't just focus on major labels, like look at your AWOS, look at the Orchard, look at Cobalt, look at Ditto. They're all looking for marketing people now because they, they understand now that they can get, you know, um, artists, um, they can break artists and make a lot more money if, with, if they just put in a bit of more marketing planning behind it instead of just delivering the music to DSPs. So broaden your, um, I guess, like your target list or whatever to just beyond uh, record labels. Um, but yeah, have a look at internships where possible. Try and do work. And say if, they if you don't get an internship, see if there's a way where you can get work experience maybe for a couple of weeks, um, mentorship. Um, and then again, like if you want to be proactive as well, though, it's the way of doing it is just, yeah, if you if you have artists around you, if you're surrounded by people who are making music, start doing their marketing. And it could, you know, it's not that it's, it's as simple as sometimes just like making sure doing it all online. It doesn't have to be outdoors or, you, you know, it's as simple as maybe you come up with their creative brand or like you can be their creative director and just help kind of hone stylistically like the artist and what all of their platforms look like because that's all part of it like cleaning up someone's social sometimes so things look look uniform and clear like that's part of marketing that's still something we look at so you know work with artists that are like in your circle and you know be involved in their campaigns and their projects and pick up experience that way um so you you know when you're applying for internships you have skill sets already that you know you can refer you know reference and be like i you know i've already done this and i've already got um you know a bit of knowledge on how to do this um yeah and then network 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 is is really the thing i think like just go to uh, hmm? no 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 talk talk to people hit up you know i know it's 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 annoying sometimes but like yeah hit up people at labels or you know help Lloyd and you know ask for <laughs> ask for a coffee you know try and like get 15 minutes of people's times you know to ask them questions any people are too busy maybe just like now with this day and age you can actually just say look can we just jump on zoom like people don't have to go anywhere so you can just ask for a video chat for 15-20 minutes to like ask questions and get a bit of advice but like you've got to be proactive you can't like just think well I've applied to 10 jobs and I didn't get any of them so like so it's literally it's that it's it's so yeah what are you doing beyond that so you have to just be proactive and yeah you know take it basically like find a way find a way or you know find any gap that you can get through and then when you get in there fucking make sure they just don't leave <laughs> make yourself you know, indispensable make yourself important to the building and build your build your way from there agreed so we've got a couple questions here mm -hmm. um did you say B Young was on your roster? Yes. Perfect. So G Star here says, "Can you explain the steps um, you take to put a campaign together?" Uh, Young. Young, as an example, thank you. Hi, G Star. Um, I wonder why he picked B Young specifically. I mean, the steps are more or less. He like might be a B Young fan. Oh God, thank you. Okay, good. <laughs> um, I, I'm a B Young fan too. <laughs> Um, the steps usually, you know, are different from artist to artist. Um, so it's it's kind of like, I mean, the initial steps is usually like the admin side of, of marketing. It's like 
making sure the music's delivered, having everything you need, like all the assets of so the music, the mixes, the instrumentals, the cleans. This is when we bother people like Lloyd and it's like, when are we getting the clean? When are we getting the instrumental? Where's the label copies? <laughs> um, so you, you can... Go on, what were you going to say? Yeah, so that's funny because I, I make sure I have mine early. <laughs> oh, okay. you're one of the um, good ones then. When... <laughs> I'm organised, I'm organised. <laughs> Um, yeah, so it's like getting all the tools in. Um, yeah, you get all those tools in. And then it's the, it always starts with like an initial conversation with management and sometimes the artist um, where you basically kind of sit down and just be like, so what are we thinking here? Like, what's the song about? What what sort of what do we want to do creatively? Like, when do we want this out? And kind of you sort of build a timeline. So like you set a release date. Sometimes with some artists, you set a release date and then work backwards and figure out how much time you've got to get everything done. And then with others where there's like no, it's not, there's no time, it's not time sensitive. You can literally start with the planning first and then plan towards the release date. So usually, ideally in an ideal world, I would have six weeks to prepare and plan a campaign. And that's to get the artwork done, to get the videos uh, shot, to get, you know, to, to get all those assets together and start pitching it to partners, to radio, to, to press four to six weeks would be ideal most of the times i don't get that i get two weeks um <laughs> and i'll have to work with that but with be young it's actually usually pretty easy going because his brother is his manager and his brother shoots a lot of his videos as well so if we needed to rush something through then his manager can actually shoot the video and be edits his own videos as well so we can turn something around a lot quicker if we needed to so it's like once yeah once you've sorted out once you've figured that we have settled on a creative then it's my job to find basically the right people to bring that creative to life so it's finding the right director for the video finding the right person to take the artwork um to do the artwork finding the right person to get pressure to do the press shots if we need press shots um i've got to basically go and put that team together and start getting ideas to present to the artist I basically be like, we've got these three video treatments. If Ali's, if his manager's not going to direct the video, like with last night, um, he directed it. Um, but, you know, there were other videos like 079 Me. We got a, a, um, we got Calvado actually to direct it. So we would like, yeah, I would get all the video treatments in and then I'll sit with management and the artists and basically talk through which ones we like, which one we don't like and settle on one. And then it's my job basically part of marketing as well as like managing the budget. So I would have a marketing budget for a campaign and it's for me to basically split that budget between video, artwork, digital marketing, like outdoor if we're gonna do posters. And it's for me to basically decide how I'm gonna split that money. So once once we, you know, decide on video, I've got to make sure that that video budget videos i would be super hands-on who called you now i just Very kept talking nice. i ignored you for <laughs> <laughs> i just ignored you i was like i'm gonna keep talking i think they can hear me <laughs> that is so good um yeah so i was just gonna say as a market manager as well like you you're we're quite hands-on what with the creative 
so we would kind of like be across casting styling um location scouting for the video shoot so like all of that stuff like we have we get to sign it off first before it goes into the shoot that's why i say like our jobs are fun it's not just admin you get to be creative um and then when the when we get towards the edits through we work with the with between me and the artist then we'd work with the director to kind of like go back and forth on the edit or we'll get it into a place where we're happy with it so once i've kind of got all the assets together that's the biggest chunk of my job is that part